Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. Uh-oh. You hear that? That is the debt train coming, and it's going to hurt us. And why I blame the GOP. Also, China, they think they're in a position of strength, are they? 
and a letter I got that's going to hit home for you. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. $4 trillion. $4 trillion. Now, I'm not going to do this thing where I try to explain to you how big $4 trillion is for a couple of different reasons. One, I don't know either. And I know what you're saying. Oh, Jesse, you're the best and so handsome and smart. I thought you knew everything. I know that's what you're all saying right now. But believe it or not, $4 trillion is actually a number that's way too big for even my huge, powerful brain to comprehend. The human mind can't comprehend it. It doesn't mean anything now. I could tell you tomorrow that they were passing a bill that was $10 trillion. And it would just kind of go in one ear and out the other for you. Me too. I'm in the same boat. They spend so much money on garbage. And the debt numbers are so big. And you and I haven't really felt the pain of that yet. That none of it matters for now. None of it matters to you for now. None of it matters to me for now because we don't feel it. The truth is, and we'll get into this Joe Biden tax plan, spending plan. Of course, it's, it's everything you can possibly imagine. Mass amounts of money. Very little of it actually going to what they say it's going to. The rest, a gigantic political payoff to Democrat constituents. You know, it's a standard Democrat bill. Democrats get elected and promptly spend the rest of their time paying back the people who elected them. Republicans get elected and promptly spend the rest of their time explaining to their base why they can't actually repeal Obamacare. That's just the difference in the parties. It's a huge difference in the parties. But be that as it may, that's another story. $4 trillion. And I'm not going to blame Democrats for this. Not only Democrats. We know Democrats now, not always, but the Democratic Party as it exists now It's a wholly anti-American party, 100% dedicated to bringing the United States of America to its knees. I'm not trying to be over the top. It is. That's why every single policy of theirs is so obviously damaging. Uh, Open the border? Wait, what? You can't survive as a nation. Oh, no, it's being compassionate. No, they're destroying the country, and they know they are. So I'm not going to go off on Democrats right now. I'm going to talk to you about Republicans right now. What leg do Republicans have to stand on? And don't get me wrong, I wish they did, but what leg do they have to stand on? Even politicians you love. How many gigantic 600 billion, 800 billion, over trillion, 1.6 trillion, how many gigantic, gigantic spending bills with crazy amounts of pork and waste in them, how many of them sailed through the House then sailed through the Republican Senate and were met with a signature by the President of the United States, a Republican. A lot of them. It was a lot of them. What right do we have now? What are we going to do? Hey, I'm the only one who can spend trillions we don't have. You can't be that one. And that's why I screamed so loud about it when it was happening. We're setting precedents time and time and time again and kneecapping our own arguments before we ever have to have them. And you remember the ultimate justification for all of them, right? It's a a coronavirus bill. If we we don't pass this, everyone's going to die. And so under under the blanket of COVID, 
Trillion here, trillion there, trillion here, trillion there. Oh, sure. No, all that money's fine. So what are Democrats going to do now? The exact same thing. Just like I told you, time and time and time again. Every time one of these big spending bills came up, I sat here in front of this camera and I told you, uh, you realize they're going to pass coronavirus bills until the end of time now, right? It's always going to be about coronavirus because none of our political leaders have the spine required to simply say, no. Actually, no, that's not about coronavirus. I don't care what label you put on it. I don't care how much public panic you gin up. No, we don't have the money. We don't have that. We have a bunch of spineless losers, not leaders. We have spineless losers in our own party, and I do blame them. They'll, oh, don't get me wrong, they'll, they'll come to the right stance on an issue the second it's too late to do any good about it. You'll see all of them now. They'll all be all over TV now that this $4 trillion Biden plan's up there. You just watch. It'll be, it'll be all over the news in the coming days. This is money we don't have. We can't spend like this. At the precise moment, it's now too late. We're out of power. You spent all your time in power passing those same crappy bills. And now, now that it's too late, we're going to stand on the right side of the issue. It's no different than the Republican House of Representatives passing multiple, I think it was seven, multiple Obamacare repeal bills while Barack Obama was in office, knowing he was just going to veto the bill every time it got to him. And the second we have a Republican House, Senate, and presidency, oh, whoops, couldn't get one passed, didn't have the votes. All this. That's all it is, is this. I don't believe in crap. Trump released a statement today on Biden's $4 trillion plan. Quote, the Biden plan will crush American workers and decimate U.S. manufacturing while giving special tax privileges to outsourcers, foreign, and giant multinational corporations. This legislation will be amongst the largest self-inflicted wounds in history. Joe Biden's cruel and heartless attack on the American dream must never be allowed to become federal law, just like our southern border went from the best to worst and is now in shambles, our economy will be destroyed. I mean, yeah, it will. And the tax increases that are in here? Oh, don't worry, they'll, they'll tell you it's always for the rich. Uh, not for you, oh, you'll be fine, but I mean, yeah, the rich, ri those evil rich, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna pay more, for sure. Oh, by the way, the, they're, they're splitting the $4 trillion into two different packages, going to try to pass them one at a time. The first one's going to be billed as like an infrastructure bill. I love this part. That one's, that one's a $2.25 trillion bill. Get this. This is a headline from Breitbart. Only $650 billion of Joe Biden's $2.25 trillion infrastructure bill funds roads and bridges. Where's the rest of that money going? I mean, I, I realized I had to drop algebra a couple times, but boy, carry the one. That's, uh, that's well over a trillion dollars still left. Uh, one and a half trillion. Where is it going? Well, we know where it's going. It's going to keep Democrats in power. It'll pay off this group and that group and this group and that group and make sure Democrats get to stay in power forever. And you know what? Maybe we should stop ripping on them so much. Because, yeah, the modern Democrat Party is completely communist and anti-American, detestable in every way, and wants to end the United States of America. All that stuff's true, of course. But at least they play the game to win. 
Democrats play the game to win. You see how the Republican Party conducts itself. Do you think the Republican Party plays the game to win? Or do they play the game to look nice? Do they play the game so you and I will send $50 when they send out an email? Help me, help me defund Planned Parenthood. Hmm, when's that coming along? Getting late to do that, isn't it? Oh, and you thought it was going to stop at just from some wasteful payoffs to this union or that union? Get this. This is from CNBC. 21 Senate Democrats urge Biden to put recurring stimulus checks, unemployment aid extension, in the recovery plan. Recurring stimulus checks. That, hmm, when you think about that, that almost sounds like a federal government payoff that'll keep Democrats in power forever because who... Who's going to stop the checks from coming when they're recurring and come forever? And remember, what did I just tell you a couple minutes ago? This is about coronavirus. Are you, you don't want, you, are you against helping people who are struggling with coronavirus? You see, Republican weakness in the beginning always has a high cost in the end. What right do Republicans have now to stand up and say, we can't do this? You just did it, idiot. And look, Chuck Schumer, Chuck Schumer's committed. Nancy Pelosi's committed. How committed is Schumer to getting this done? Here's what his aide said. Quote, Schumer wants to maximize his options to allow Senate Democrats multiple pathways to advance President Biden's Build Back Better agenda if Senate Republicans try to obstruct or water down a bipartisan agreement. No final decision has been made on legislative strategy. We are simply arguing that additional reconciliation bills may be considered for this fiscal year. And remember, this is the same Chuck Schumer who's been working hand in hand with Nancy Pelosi to try to pass H.R. 1, which will, well, all the election stuff that may or may not have went on, it makes all that stuff federal law. And then they're, they're not, they're not hiding their intentions with H.R. 1 either. Here's the DNC. We got to do everything that we can, and 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 right now I'll give uh, I'm going to give uh, Senator Schumer all of the freeway that he needs to in order to make the deal that he has to. But I I have uh, been very clear to everybody uh, these uh, these rights, and, and it shouldn't be a Democrat versus Republican thing. These are about Americans' rights to vote. It's our most sacred right as American people. Uh, all it's the foundational yes. right in which all other rights are built upon and when that is chipped away and when that is taken away everything else falls down and so I, again I'm not gonna Great. you know Senator Schumer will take uh, whatever he needs to do in order to get this done but they understand this that we need to demonstrate to the American people that we stand up for the the sacred yes. right of voting and so I hope that he will use every yep. trick in his book. I, I, we used it in, in the House side uh, okay. to do just that. Every trick in the book. And I have people tell me things like, well, the American people don't agree with this. And they don't, of course. This is a survey. Quote, is it time to consider election reforms that will protect the process and give more confidence in the results given the number of questions about potential voter fraud concerning the 2020 election? 66% of the people strongly agree or somewhat agree with that statement. 89% of Republicans agree. 46% of Democrats, 48% of Democrats disagree. Now, 
Let me ask you, if it's so unpopular, if, if, if these numbers are to be believed and the American people don't want this stuff to happen, why does it happen? Democrats have a spine. They're not interested in being led by the people's fears. Democrats get elected, they take power, and they use power to get more of it. Republicans get elected, they hide under their beds until Democrats take over again. Oh, don't get me wrong. They'll all look very, very brave for the next few days while they try to pass this thing. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. Home title theft is not something that's easy to explain to people. I mean, frankly, it's not something most people even know exists. Not only does it exist, it is the major cybercrime out there right now. It is lucrative for these disgusting career criminals who spend their time online stealing your stuff and my stuff. If you own a home, your home title is online. If it is online, it can be hacked. In fact, it's easy for these guys to hack it. They hack it, forge your signature on it, and they go take a loan out against it that you have to pay back, and you don't have any defense against it except for home title lock. It is the only thing that will detect it and stop it. Go to hometitlelock.com, sign up, use the promo code radio, that'll get you 30 days for free. Hometitlelock.com. We'll be back. You know what worries me? We're constantly showing our enemies how weak we are now. And we act like being nice is somehow a good thing. Remember when we had this meeting, this high-level meeting with China, and they essentially said, you're not running squat. So for China, it was necessary that we make our position clear. So let me say here that in front of the Chinese side, the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength. Ooh. Joining me now to talk about that and other things, Tim Murtaugh. He's a visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He's also a former communications director of Trump's campaign. Tim, are they in a position of strength over us? Uh, well, no, they shouldn't be, but it certainly seems like uh, China feels like they are. And that was really a, a major propaganda victory for the Chinese. There they are lecturing the United States of America and our Secretary of State, Joe Biden's Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, saying that the United States does not come from a position of strength to criticize the Chinese for their very obvious and egregious human rights violations. And instead of pushing back, 
and defending the united states tony blinken essentially conceded the point and said well you know it's part of our strength that we acknowledge that we have these problems in our past and we're addressing them so he's telling the chinese yeah you're right you're right and this was a gigantic propaganda victory for the chinese all of the Chinese language media from around the world were proclaiming this as a really great victory. And one of President Trump's former national security advisors, H.R. McMaster, said that China believes that it's winning right now. And so, yes, I think Joe Biden showed that his team was unprepared and uh, they looked weak in the face of the Chinese, but this is nothing new. Joe Biden gets things wrong on foreign policy all the time, and he is historically wrong specifically about China. Tim, I have my own theories on why this stuff happens, but I'm going to throw two of them at you, and I'm not putting words in your mouth. You tell me if I'm wrong or if you disagree. I think we constantly run into things like that at that meeting because either A, parts of the Democratic Party are flat out working with China, or B, the ones that aren't working with China kind of share the same philosophy that America sucks and deserves to be brought down a peg or two. What say you? Well, I think it could also be this this view among certainly in Joe Biden's crowd that all you have to do is, hey, this is a different face. I'm not Donald Trump. Everyone is going to love us now because it's a different man in the Oval Office. Well, obviously that's not true. And they went in there and I think looked weak on the international stage. And, you know, Joe Biden liked to say that America is back. Well, Look, if that's what it means for America to be back, I think we're going to have to kind of go for a new look here and, and look a little further because uh, that was really not so great if you're on the on Team America here. And this is this is a, a long pattern of Joe Biden being wrong about America. Remember back when China was being considered for entry into the World Trade Organization, Joe Biden actually said that China had the economic impact on the world economy as the Netherlands, comparing Chinese economy to the Netherlands. And we can see how wrong he was about that. And China, remember during the campaign, and I'm familiar with this, having worked on the Trump campaign, he jokingly, condescendingly scoffed at the idea that China was an economic power and a competitor for the United States. Remember, he famously said, what, China's going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. You know, they're nice folks, but they're not a competition for us. And that's obviously wrong on its face. So I think Joe Biden really has to take a step back and the people around him and realize when they go into these international arenas, who exactly it is that they're dealing with. Ready, be ready to stick up for America and understand that yes, indeed, China is an economic power and then a principal competitor for this country. Tim, where else is he wrong on foreign policy? You mentioned he's wrong on a lot of things. Where else? Well, for one, he would not have taken out Soleimani. We know that. He criticized President Trump for the uh, the strike that took out Qasem Soleimani, who was the most notorious terrorist alive on the face of the earth at the time, had the blood of uh, thousands of American troops on his hands. And Biden said he wouldn't have done that because he felt that it would upset the region and would uh, upset the Middle East and, and the delicate balance there in the Middle East. Well, he was wrong about that, quite obviously, because we know that President Trump uh, entered and, and brokered a series of peace agreements between Israel and a variety of Arab nations during, during his term in office. And so Joe Biden was wrong about that. And all you have to do is go look back at what Robert Gates said who was the Secretary of Defense while Joe Biden was the Vice President under President Obama. And Robert Gates said that Joe Biden has been wrong 
on every foreign policy call over the course of the last four decades. And, uh, you know, foreign policy includes things like re-entering the Paris Accord, which purposefully hamstrings the United States economy uh, with the, the hope uh, and it's not realistic, the hope that other countries will follow suit. And there's nothing in there that actually holds any nation to the parameters of what the agreement says. It's a terrible economic deal. It's a bad idea. Joe Biden's just wrong historically, and it's, it's just a habit of his, and it, it's nothing new. Tim, how was the Trump administration able to pull off the Middle Eastern peace deals? I think a lot of people in America are still confused about it. And I was so such a big fan of Trump's foreign policy. People in America in general just assumed Muslims versus Jews, they're going to hate each other forever. This goes on forever. It never, ever stops. And all of a sudden, the UAE is stroking deals with Israel. They're hugging, they're kissing. How was that possible? What happened? Well, I was not in the administration. I was on the campaign side, so was not involved in, in exactly how those deals were struck. But I think a lot of credit has to go to Jared Kushner, as well as President Trump, of course. President Trump is uh, known as a consummate deal maker. The Art of the Deal is the name of one of his books. And he believes that if you get people into the room and try to talk about, get them talking about things that they have in common, their shared goals and their shared their shared ideas for the future, that you can strike deals. And you have to make, make the parties see uh, what is in their interests, make them see that the deal is good for them. And I think that's what he was able to accomplish. Now, nobody in the mainstream media, nobody certainly on the liberal part of the spectrum would ever want President Trump to get credit for, for doing those things. But the fact is, he did them. And let's remember, Barack Obama was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize before he ever even took office. And you just know that uh, the folks around the world uh, would, would grudgingly have to admit that President Trump did great things for world peace, particularly with the Middle East peace deals that we're talking about. But, the, but they and the mainstream media, the international uh, intelligentsia, would never admit that he did something that was really that impactful on world peace. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. Well, speaking of what people talk about, it is amazing how coverage of the border has changed. Check this out, Tim. Increasingly, Donald Trump is turning this nation into Nazi Germany and turning these into concentration camps. I call this a concentration camp for kids. Obviously, this is a problem that the Biden administration inherited from the Trump administration. Babies in jail. Babies in baby cages. Challenges facing U.S. Border Patrol amid this migrant surge. Babies in jail. A very, very tough situation that the Biden administration now needs to contend with. Something that's very difficult for the federal government to deal with at the border. Children are being marched away to showers. I know they're being marched away to showers, just like the Nazis. Just like the Nazis or, well, just a tough situation. It's weird how things have changed. Tim, what changed? It's pretty remarkable. I, I had a column a couple of weeks ago for the Daily Signal on, on Heritage Foundation, uh, <clears throat> dailysignal.com for the Heritage Foundation. And it's obvious this was going on throughout 2019 and 2020, and now certainly since Joe Biden has become president. The national news media has put on the jersey for Joe Biden, meaning they are squarely on his team. And there really is no better example than this in the, the, the problem in the crisis at the border. You saw just yesterday, the Associated Press had an internal memo that got leaked out where they instructed their reporters to not refer to the situation at the border as a <laughs> crisis. 
unless he was quoting somebody who used that word the reporters themselves were not to use those words in a story that's that's amazing if you look back at how they covered a much lesser situation under president trump what has happened here is that joe biden laid out the welcome mat and turned on the vacancy sign for the United States. While he was campaigning for governor, he said quite clearly, one, he would grant amnesty to all the illegal immigrants who are present in this country. He would deport no one if he became president. He would give illegal aliens free health care. He would give illegal aliens work permits so they can compete for jobs in this country against legal residents. And he would support sanctuary cities so that local law enforcement officials would not cooperate with federal immigration officials. That told people across the entire world, come on in, we won't throw you out, and we'll also give you all this free stuff if you manage to get here safely. That's an open invitation, and no wonder these numbers at the border and the children who are being kept in these facilities that used to be called cages when Donald Trump was president but are now called facilities, uh, they are far and away higher than they ever were under the Trump administration. These are record peaks, and meanwhile, no wonder they want to keep the media away from there and, and not have them take pictures of it as uh, best they can, because this is a disaster. It is indeed a crisis, whether the Associated Press is allowed to call it that or not. It is a crisis. And the news media, they know it's trouble for their guy. Joe Biden is their guy. There's no question of that. And they just don't want to drag him down with this. Amen. Tim Murtaugh, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you for your time, Jesse. Anytime. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet, maybe they're animal smells, maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. All right, if you're dipping tobacco, if you're smoking, you're not going to get any judgment here, not on this show. I've done a lot of both. I've done a lot of dipping, years and years and years of it. And for being honest, I've burned through one or two heaters in my time, maybe more than that. It's hard to quit. It's hard to quit. It's not just that it's addictive. It's enjoyable. I know. I've been there. I've been there. But we all know... There's a shelf life on that, right? We just do. I needed help. When I was quitting, I needed real help. And help did not come in the form of a patch for me that didn't work, a sunflower seeds. I needed something to put in my lip. Jake's Mint Chew. There you go. Tobacco-free, nicotine-free. There are 11 different flavors of Long Cut. There are four different flavors of the CBD pouches, and that is especially, well, not only for the dippers, for the smokers as well. If you're sitting at home, eat a steak for dinner, want to go outside and burn one down, throw in a little CBD pouch in your lip. It'll take the edge off. It does work. 
Go to jakesmintchew.com. Don't forget to use the promo code JESSE for 20% off. We'll be back. Well, we always love when Jack Brewer comes to join us here on I'm Right because, well, he was a New York Giant, and that's the nicest thing I can possibly say about anybody. We're not going to mention that little stint he had with the Eagles. Joining me now is Jack Brewer. He was a Trump appointee, and I want you to pay attention here. The Jack Brewer Foundation, jackbrewerfoundation.org. They do some incredible God-blessed things for people who need them. So if you're interested in it, get involved in it. Jack, uh, young people are pretty much everything because they, on top of just being awesome, they decide what your country is going to look like. And I got to work this morning and I had this email from a viewer of the show and tell me this one doesn't hit you. Quote, I go to Arizona State University. I'm a political science major. In my classes, we have discussions. Today, someone in my class was saying that Mao was a great leader, and he wished Joe Biden would learn a thing or two from Mao. I pointed out that Mao was a murderous dictator who killed more people than Hitler multiple times. He never once acknowledged me. He was unwavered. You're right when you say that communism is a religion. Jack, how are we failing young people so bad that there's a single person in this country who thinks Mao was a good guy? It, it's terrible. It starts so early on now, you know, with the education system and, you know, these kids are, are going to these, these public schools that are indoctrinating them uh, with just a false reality. Uh, you, you Just the example that you just gave to not know uh, basic history like that. Uh, right now, these kids are just being pushed through school. Uh, unfortunately, their parents uh, are stuck on their cell phones and, you know, everyone's stuck into this, this new media world uh, and really not paying attention to kids, not giving kids uh, that, that wholesome foundation. And it goes back to civics, man. If you don't love the country in which you live, uh, if you're not taught that, you know, if, if you if you should be demanded upon you uh, to love the, the nation in which you live and where folks are fighting for your freedom. And those things are just not uh, communicated to our kids these days. This is very sad, and I, you know, I, I work in public schools. I actually uh, have a have a, a ongoing youth program that I've been running for several years, and so when I talk to these kids, I see it firsthand, uh, and it's really sad and unfortunate to see how social media, uh, rap music, uh, these crazy movies and video games, all this stuff is raising our kids now. So you are you are right. Their reality is so tainted. They think a a, a leader like Mao. Uh, is a good guy. It's so unfortunate. Jack, I wanted to ask you about that, uh, that specifically because I agree with you 100%. I tell people all the time it sounds hacky and cliche, but really it just comes, comes down to the fact we have a patriotism problem. Half the country hates the freaking place. They, they just do. But when I was a kid, I mean, I didn't grow up in the 50s. I saw pl plenty of rap music videos. I had Snoop Dogg and Eminem playing on my stereo sometimes. I, I watched movies. I played video games on occasion. Granted, it was Super Tech Mobile and whatnot. But I, I did these things. Did those things change? Or did the parents change? Or did the education change? Because something changed. Something really did change. And that's called fatherhood. And it's called fatherlessness, yeah. which is the that uh, has shaken our nation. Uh, it's a crisis that is biblical. Um, you know, it, it, the Bible says, you know, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. 
And that's when you know you are in the try, trying times. And that's what we're in right now when you have 77% of black babies born with no father in the home. Uh, oh. You have almost 50% of Hispanics, almost every race, including white, whites have a huge issue with fatherlessness. Uh, and fatherlessness doesn't just mean a father not being there. Sometimes you can have a dad in the home, but he's really not a dad. Uh, fathers have to start being fathers again, bringing the rod back out. I'm all for paddling in schools. I'm all for keeping kids accountable. Kids are, are not held accountable anymore. So, you know, when we grew up, we could listen to Tupac Shakur. You know, I could jam uh, DJ Screw and all these other rappers. I could listen to them because I knew if I got out of line and did what I was rapping, my dad would have hit me upside my head. Uh, and so many <laughs> kids are missing that authority figure right now, whether it's the coach uh, whether it's your mentor, you know, but you need a physical presence in your life, and that's that's biblical. Jack, why are the dads not there? And I say this like this. I, I know I'm a horrible human being. I've never pretended to be otherwise. I'm a bad person. But I still have two sons, and I love them. I want to be around them all the time. The second I take this earpiece out of my ear, I'm going to hang out with my sons. It w I can't imagine not wanting to hang out with your sons, not wanting to show basic stuff with your sons. And I'm a bad person. So how are there that many fathers out there who look at a son or a daughter and say, ah, I'm, I'm too busy. I don't understand it. Explain it to me. It's a cycle, man. I'll tell you, I know particularly in the black community, it started you know, in the in the late late seventies, eighties, early nineties, um, you know, the crack epidemic completely dismantled homes. You mean think about it, three million African American men in prison, right? Coming after you know the the Biden cr crime bill uh, and all those horrific things. Those things start cycles, uh, and then you know government programs that have incentivized women uh, to to not need men in the in the houses. So you have a whole culture. Uh, that that has looked at it as acceptable uh, for the government to replace their God, and you know all these all these debilitating welfare programs uh, and such. These things have have left a huge hole uh, in America, and we've gotten to the point now where we uh, have depressed masculinity and we promoted uh, feminism so hard uh, that culturally, uh, you know, women think they don't need a man, and that's cool. I mean, that's acceptable, and you're actually praised. Uh, for that idiotic thinking. And so these things have, have, have really came in and, and tainted our culture. And we have a real issue with morality right now in America that no one wants to talk about. This is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. Jack Brewer, please come back anytime. Please, uh, by the way, before we go, I don't ever do this. Please plug your foundation because I love what you do. It's so important. Thank you, brother. It's thejackbrewerfoundation.org. Guys, come join us. We're opening up an institute called the Serving Institute. We're going to teach and empower these young kids to learn how to serve again uh, and give God his glory. But thank you for having me on the show as usual, brother. Appreciate you, Jack. Go Giants. Go Giants. He's right. Tell me where he's wrong. Man, we need to get behind that guy. All right, look. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry 
with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. We do need to win elections. And we need to win elections with the right kind of people. The right kind of people. Mammoth Nation has already identified those people, and they're picking up more every day. What does that mean for you? Well, it means you get to save money. No, I didn't misspeak there. You go become a member of Mammoth Nation. I'm a lifetime member. When you do that, your money, it goes to veterans. It goes to these people who have a spine running for office who will fight for you and me. What do you get out of it? Oh, you get discounts. A laundry list of discounts at more places than I could possibly name for you. It's that good. Go to mammothnation.com slash jesse and sign up today. We'll be back. Well, there's a lot of talk about police these days and what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. And of course, with this trial going on of Derek Chauvin and the George Floyd thing, people are having a lot of opinions about stuff they don't know anything about. So let's talk to a man who is a former police officer. He's also the author of the book, Beaten Black and Blue, Being a Black Cop in an America Under Siege. Brandon Tatum, first of all, everybody remembers the video, a very obviously tough to watch video for anybody with a heart, of Derek Chauvin with the knee on the upper back or neck of George Floyd. And Floyd's calling for his mom, and it just wasn't pleasant. Everyone remembers that. My question is, though, because we hear about this all the time, was that a technique that has been trained? Are police officers trained that way? And if so, why? Well, so I, I don't think that every police department is trained identically the same. Um, our police department and the Tucson Police Department that I used to work for, we were trained to put the knee on the back of it, on, on a person's back, upper back, never put uh, a knee on a person's neck. However, it is reported, and I saw pictures of the training manual. Um, that the Minneapolis Police Department or the Minnesota Police Department is trained to do exactly what, what Chauvin did, at least in the initial act. Now, how long he has his knee on his neck um, is going to be up to debate uh, within the court of law. But um, it appears that he was acting, at least initially, um, not in malice, but doing what the police department um, had trained him to do. Okay, uh, now I'm not in a position to judge whether that's a, an effective technique or not. I'm asking you, uh, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it to, is it a control thing? Are you doing it until they calm down because it's so uncomfortable? Or what, what is the purpose of it? Yeah, it's, it's both a, a safety tactical control and then also a, a safety measure uh, for the suspect himself. So you want to have leverage, and the easiest way to have leverage on a person's body and to control their body is through the upper part of their body, their neck and head area. So if you can control that, then you can control virtually the rest of their body. Um, people may look at it and think it's just a defensive tactic, but it's also for the safety of George Floyd. If he's going through a traumatic situation, he's high, he's high on drugs, he may be irrational, unpredictable. You don't want him to, to have his, his head and neck loose where he can bang his head on the ground uh, and, and, and do things of that nature. You don't want him biting people. You don't want him to be erratic. So that's a proper way to control somebody um, in a defensive way and also for the safety of the suspect. 
Okay, it's in just playing devil's advocate here. If I'm uh, on drugs, not that I've ever done fentanyl by the grace of God, but let's say I was on fentanyl or PCP or one of these drugs that make you go nutballs, how is a cop hurting me going to calm me down? Yeah, it's not designed to hurt you at all. I mean, technically, the okay. way that they are training um, the police department on in the Minneapolis Police Department is that you use most of your leverage on the off leg and you just have control with your knee on the okay. that, that's on the neck. So it's a control mechanism, but the weight of your body is not on your knee per se. It's like a leverage point. So technically, he's not supposed to have the brunt of his entire weight on the person's neck. It may appear that way, but that's not the way it's supposed to be trained. And and people used to complain about us when we used to have our knee on somebody's upper back. They think we have our knee on the neck. We are not trained to put all of our, our all of our leverage on our knee. It's not safe for the person, and it's also not tactically sound for the police officer. Because if you lose leverage and all of your weight is on your knee, you're going to topple over. You're going to fall over. You're not balanced. So you need to have an adequate amount of weight back on your heels and then also have a leverage point with your knee on the upper back or in this case on the neck so it's it's a safe tactic when applied properly brandon I, now i've asked a lot of questions i realize i haven't even given you your piece on it what is your take on that entire situation just hit me with it yeah I, you know i i'm, I'm very uh, disappointed and frustrated the way chauvin conducted himself um, throughout the entire interaction, not the entire action, the entire interaction while they were on the ground. Um, it appears to me that he had his knee on his neck or at least in that tactical situation, he had that maneuver pending too long. I mean, at, at, at some point it appeared that he was begging for his life and different things like that. Whether or not that's true or whether or not he's just high on drugs and he's being uh, facetious, but uh, I think that you have to change it up. You have to play to the camera. You can't just sit there and do that while the guy dies and goes unconscious and then don't render aid immediately. But I also think George Floyd was a complete idiot as well because he's using drugs, ingesting dangerous, uh, lethal amounts of drugs. He's committing crimes that necessitate police response. And then when they go to put him in the back of the police car, he's resisting arrest. He kicks himself out of the car. He's crying. He's saying he can't breathe even though he's not obstructed, at least when he was in the back of the patrol car. I mean, two wrongs led to a situation, in my personal opinion, um, that we see today. But I can't, I don't think you can put place blame on one person. I don't think it was all jo uh, um, Officer Chauvin and it wasn't all George Floyd. It was two that met each other and then we have a catastrophe that we see um, that's playing out before the country. Well, yeah, I don't think there's anybody who watched that video and was clapping and cheering. What do you make of the fallout, all the fallout from it? It just seems like so much damage has been done to reputations to actual lives has been done since then obviously george floyd has been deified which is ridiculous and and this this narrative that cops are hunting down black men for the color of their skin there's just no statistics to prove that up at all but what do you make of all the fallout of all this yeah i think that this situation shouldn't have been this popular it really shouldn't have been i mean it was a, a tragic situation but these situations happen you know in our country a lot and that doesn't make the police officer wrong. That just means that somebody lost their lives at the hands of an interaction with a police officer, and the court would determine who's at fault. But this shouldn't have blown out of proportion like it has. The only reason that this is blown out of proportion, that people have died over this, and people have been going to jail, people have lost their businesses, billions of dollars of damage that have been incurred, racial tension has, has been uh, um, started up, and it's because the media, it's because social justice wars have made this out to be a racial interaction when it wasn't. There's no information whatsoever 
to determine that this had anything to do with race. This had something to do with a police officer and a suspect um, getting into a situation where the suspect later dies. And it, the, the way to prove this is there's a gentleman, his last name is Tipton. Um, he died in a similar manner, and some would argue a worse manner than George Floyd. And to this day, people probably have no idea who that gentleman is. You could Google his name. He was suffocated. He died at the hands of police. They joked, they laughed at him, they mocked him while he was dying, which was very troubling to see. It was very hard to see. Um, and nobody knows about it. Nobody cares about it. So this was a trumped-up incident based on race through race baiters in the media. All right, Brandon, I have to ask about the border situation because I, I think about the Border Patrol guys a lot right now. I, I, I don't know why they would continue to be on the United States Border Patrol when they're not, given, they're not given the things they need. I have friends down there. They're not given the equipment they need. They don't have the facilities they need to handle these waves. There's no indication the waves are going to stop, and the rhetoric says they're going to keep going. Why even do it? Yeah, so I think the reason why Border Patrol um, officers and agents do what they do is because it's a calling on their lives. You know, anybody yeah. can can do other jobs and careers, but to, to do a, a career and a job that's as dangerous as Border Patrol or law enforcement, um, it's a calling on their lives, and they're going to do the best they can with what they have and save as many people as they can because people have to remember Border Patrol agents save a lot of people's lives as well. They don't just deal with the with the border crisis that we're seeing right now. I mean, they're dealing with things that occur on the border on a day-to-day -day basis, not just an influx of people coming from South America. But, however, this is a testament that our the leaders in our country don't know what they're doing, and I, and I think that they're evil, because there's no way in the world we should not be supporting our border agents, and we shouldn't be having rhetoric that tells these individuals, you cannot come to the United States of America and somehow expect that you're going to get in and get amnesty. you got to come the right way. We have laws that are on the books that affect American citizens. So if you're not even a citizen of this country, of course you're going to have to abide by laws and regulations that we have in, in our country. And, and I really wished that our president, that's currently our president, I really wish that he would have a strong rhetoric and care about the American people more than he care about political correctness and re-election. Brandon Tatum, everybody. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. All right. We're not quite done yet. Hang on. You know what's underrated in life? manners, common courtesy. I try to tell my sons all the time, you know, there are going to be a bunch of people out there trying to get the job you want to get one day when you're older. And you know what separates people as someone who has hired and fired people? You know what separates people? Most people simply don't have manners, a way of thinking about others, considering other human beings. So when you see a man out here killing it in the manners department, we have to show him our respect.
That's as good as it gets right there. All right, let's see you tomorrow. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.